So we're in the concluding section of the sixth chapter of the first canto. Nard has been giving instructions to Vyas in this chapter and in the previous chapter in the form of a narrative. In the chapter before that, in chapter four, he gave the uh, same instructions in direct philosophical discourse. Then, as I say, followed by the narrative of his own life and uh, how he became the great Narada Muni. This serves to really bring the essential teachings home. So the the teachings are being repeated here hmm, with nuance again and again. And tonight we come to verse uh, 35. Here, Narada says, Yamadi bir yogopatai kamalobo maho hato maho mukundo sevaya yatvat tatat madha nashamniti. You may recall that last night Nard told of how he had it when he attained his roop at the, at the uh, he traveled freely, but at the time of the Cosmic slumber of uh, where Brahma comes at the end of his day. He went into into the Brahma with Vishnu, and then he came back out again. Not typical. Can't don't expect that to happen to us, but this is Nard's um, leela, and uh, so he said to be uh, one of the sons of Brahma. It's one of his types of appearances in the world. He told how he became that person. Um, the great Narada Muni, and then Vyasa was wondering, I thought you were the son of Brahma, so how does how do you put this together here? You know, you were a son of a maidservant, you became who you are, and you're the son of Brahma. So he he told explained a little bit of that history. And then he said he came out. And when he said he came out, he said all also the sages and and uh and the different uh Rishis came out and he differentiated himself from them hmm? by, indirectly by way of saying, and I travel freely everywhere. Hmm? The implication was, of course, and they don't. And thus, uh, those influenced by karma like Marichi and uh, these different uh, um, uh, kind of spiritually advanced but still under the influence of karma type uh, uh, ascetics and so forth, uh, uh, they are not free. And the implication was, and neither even up to people like the Kumaras, who we know they traveled freely everywhere within the world, but they couldn't enter the gates of Bakuntha. Nard said, I go Bahir, Antar, Bahir, in and out of this world as I like. Hmm? Nothing checks me. Hmm? Because I am a, a, really a Jivanta Murdanga. To use the language of Bhakti Siddhanta, you know the famous uh, term Brihat Murdanga that he coined the phrase. Brihat means great, Murdanga means drum, and he he coined this phrase and uh, 
named the printing press, the big drum, because the kirtan, this is a kirtan, Bhagavatam is a kirtan. We talk, kirtan was talked about in, in the previous discussion, the efficacy of kirtan, the power of kirtan, the main uh, anga of bhakti that Narada is engaged in, all of them are powerful, but kirtan has a special place, especially in the Kali Yuga, especially in Srimad Bhagavatam, it is a kirtan. Parikshit Maharaj is here, and Sukadev is, is chanting. The sages, Shonaka and others, are inquiring, hearing, and uh, Sutta Goswami is speaking. So Bhaktisiddhanta took the, the classical idea of kirtan, which is um, singing and uh, with musical accompaniment and, and, and with others, and, and, and said that actually the speaking the kata this is also kirtan and and for that matter if we can take that kata and we can enshrine it in a in a book a holy book and print it on a press then we can amplify if you will that uh, that kirtan it can go much further it can go around the world and of course uh, he started a revolution that did go around the world and through the distribution of literatures and primarily Srimad Bhagavatam. <clears throat> so, Brihat Murdung was the big drum, the printing press. And while some people would have thought and did think at the time, what's this? You know, the sadhu is leaving the Dham, going to the Maya's territory, Calcutta, and... Uh, and buying a printing press and all that's involved with printing. You've got to buy paper and ink and and and, and so on and so forth. And he, he probably doesn't he's probably not chanting sixty four rounds a day or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and Mahaprabhu said, you know, I won't take food from a person who doesn't chant one lakh of rounds a day through the pen of Vrindavan Das Thakur. But uh Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur was not a counter, but a chanter. He had he exemplified the Kirtaniya Sadahri in a big way, so he had a big, big idea of Kirtan. And uh, when he made his logo for the Gaudiya Math, he had uh, a circular logo on it in two sides, and there were images on each side that represented the uh, Vaidhi Bhakti on one side and Rag Bhakti on the other side. The idea being that really really we 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 cannot but engage in vaidhi bhakti hmm, until rag comes even if you want to call it ajata ruchi raganuga bhakti Jiva goswami says we shall incorporate that those aspects of rag that we have eligibility for in in one attaching ourselves to rag bhakti or rag sampradaya and factor in Vaidhi Bhakti. Vaidhi Bhakti means hearing, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Samaranam, This is all Vaidhi Bhakti. It's really only a difference in in uh, in motivation, in a sense. Hmm? But there's also a difference in that uh, Rag also means attachment. And so without that kind of attachment that's driving one, hmm? if one is driven by what Scripture says is the best thing to do and the best thing not to do, hmm? Then this means he's on the level of, of, of Vaidhi Bhakti, even if his ideal is, is Golok. 
Hmm? He doesn't have rag proper. The idea of Bhakti Siddhanta wasn't that you practice Vaidhi Bhakti to go to Vaikuntha, and when you get there, you know, then you'll do rag Bhakti. We know that the inhabitants of Vaikuntha aren't, aren't doing that. Gopakumar was uncomfortable there. He had to move on. Hmm? But no, uh, it's a practical um, uh, idea, a practical reality. Rupa Goswami himself says in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu when he's explaining Raghunuga Sadhana that this budding rag should be supported by Vaidhi Bhakti. It means by hearing, chanting, and so forth. Rag means there, he's describing also in terms of its meditative aspect on the uh, internal uh, Siddhadeya and so on and so forth. So that's not too easy to do. It may not have been revealed yet. Uh, and so in, in its budding stages, it will be supported by hearing and chanting. And at some point, that's all one can do, even though they have their ideal as the rag, rag mark. So in this sense, anyway, he had one side was archon, ritualistic worship, and so forth, representing the Vaidhi Mark, and the other side were symbols uh, depicting the Rag Mark, and there he included the printing press. This was his idea. Hmm. Kirtan. He said, who has life, that person can preach. Hmm. So, um, it's a long story to, 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 to explain a small point. That is that other than the the Brihat Murdanga, he also coined another phrase, the Jivanta Murdanga. The, the Jivanta Murdanga means the living drum. So he called the printing press the big drum. And his sannyasis, who were the leaders for the preaching, he called them living drums. Hmm? So Narada Muni is like that, a living drum. Hmm? And moving musically everywhere with no restriction. Hmm? He goes freely. And this is, of course, the very nature of bhakti. It is said to be causeless. This word will come, yadrichaya, in the description of Narada here. Moving freely, without any cause, uh, means not under the influence of karma. The movement in the world that is not of the world. This is, and this is the cause of bhakti. Yadrichaya, good fortune, luck, um, Beyond uh, uh, cause and effect, bhakti is for its own sake. Bhakti gives bhakti only. So, uh, so we heard how he is. He described himself: "I move freely." The others, the implication was, don't. Therefore, those the path of karma, the path of jnana, the path of the karma, or or karmic implication, we should say, for that matter to be implicated with uh, sense objects and bound by karma is the problem. Gyan may appear to be the solution hmm, in that we penetrate on the nature of such attraction to the senses and the, the, the attachment that accrues, the suffering that's born from that. We're wise. We stop that, hmm, like the Kumars. But again, they couldn't enter by Kunta. So Gyan is not the, the whole solution. Gyan is not going to fully satisfy the self. This is what he wants to talk about, the self. And, as we'll see, to satisfy the self means to satisfy the Supreme Self because we're part and parcel. Hmm? When the part satisfies the whole, serves the whole as it should, then its full meaning is 
is is uh, understood as full utility. If we were to take a part of that harmonium and just put it on the floor, and we might not know what to do with it. Maybe we figure out something to do with it, but if we were wisely connected to the harmonium, then it has its full its full utilization is revealed. So, so anyway, he said indirectly, he's saying, "Gyan and karma; these won't satisfy you, Vyas. You are dissatisfied." I'm explaining to you that the only way to satisfy the self hmm, is through bhakti. So now he says, Yamadi vir yogapatai, kamalobadaya, atumahu, gundasebaya yatbhat, tadatmadha nashonmati. So he wants to cover all the bases here. Hmm? We know that karma won't satisfy you. If we turn karma into nishkam karma, that means karmic activities performed without attachment to the results, that will bring about the ingress of wisdom, hmm? qualify us for jnana. Hmm? But even then, we've, we've heard earlier in his, his direct instructions outside of the narrative, earlier in chapter 4, hmm? He says, what to, what to speak of karma? Hmm? Even nishkam karma, even the fruit of that, which is gyan, nashobhati. It's not very pretty, he says. It's not very pretty. Hmm? It doesn't make the lotus of the heart flower, blossom, and smile. Hmm? Um, and so, as I say, he wants to cover all his bases. He talked about karma. He talked about nishkam karma. He, he, he shed light on on yoga and its shortcomings as well. So here now in the narrative, he's he's again coming back on yoga. Hmm? This verse ostensibly is about astanga yoga. It can be taken to include uh, other things as well. Therefore, yamadi, yama implies yoga. Yamadi be yoga patai. Yama niyama. This is the beginning of yoga, right? The, the um, accepting the favorable, giving up the unfavorable. Yama means really rule, law. Come under the law of yoga. Restraint. Hmm? How will restraint satisfy you? That you have to think. This is a common sense. How will restraint satisfy you? If you restrain from things that are troubling you, then you get free from the trouble. But is that the whole face of self-satisfaction, restraint? There must be a healthy way in which one can express oneself, and fully. Hmm? So he's saying yoga is not that. Yoga is really a practice of restraint, and it's very sophisticated. Hmm? But it's but it's very, very um, artificial. It does not get to the heart. He's talking particularly about Astanga Yoga, mystic yoga. Of course, it's delineated in the Gita, spoken about. But in the in the chapter of, about Astanga Yoga, we, we find Yoginam Apisavesham Madgatenam Taratmanam Sadhavan Bajateyomam Same Yukatamomata. You can do yoga, 
You can't do yoga mixed with bhakti. You can do bhakti mixed with yoga. Hmm. Same with karma and gyan. Hmm. In a sense, all of these things are included here. There's pradhan hmm, bhakti and there's, um, what is a technical term? Um, anyway, pradhan means like primary, direct, and then there's indirect bhakti. So there may be bhakti mixed with karma. There may be bhakti mixed with gyan. There may be bhakti mixed with yoga. But this is bhakti mixed with these. And then there is gyan, karma, mixed with bhakti. So there's karma misra bhakti, bhakti and there's bhakti misra karma. And there's gyan misra karma. And there's yoga misra karma. So by the latter, by mixing bhakti with karma, gyan, and yoga, you will possibly get up to liberation. Hmm. On the other hand, if you mix karma, jnana, yoga with bhakti, making bhakti primary, then you can rise up to shantarasa. And, as we explained the other day, of all these rasas, only shantarasa one can come to and move beyond to dasiras, to sakiras by good association. So if a Shantarasa uh, mystic gets good association with a Dasya Bhakta, then he can develop Dasya Bhakti. Hmm? That means with the Shuddha Bhakta. Hmm? So here what Narada is saying is all these things, especially just yoga unto itself as a practice, Yamadi Birt Yogupatai. It's a very nice idea because it's a, yoga, as I say, is a very sophisticated uh, process for controlling the senses, controlling the mind. It really is about being the controller. It's no wonder that it's centered when appropriately done as done yoga on the Ishwar. Hmm? Ishwar, who's the God, means Paramatma, who's the God of the world, hmm? who's all-pervasive hmm? everywhere. In every atom, he's described, and so forth. Vishnu means all-pervasive. The controller, the Ishwar. Yes, Krishna is Ishwar, but he controls in a different way. He controls by not being present. By disappearing from his devotees and driving them mad. Hmm? (laughs) But (laughs) Vishnu is everywhere, all-pervading. Uh, controlling. So this yoga has this pursuit of omniscience and control. We see how you're able to control the body. You see the yogi moving their stomach and I don't know what they do in there, but uh, (laughs) they can move all the organs and and whatnot and it's very healthy and uh, you you can put water up your nose and have it come out your mouth and so you got control of the whole whole system here. Hmm? It's it's a very hands-on, controlling uh, approach. It's very ascending. Hmm? It's very much effort-based, coming from me. Hmm? And 
the thought behind it is, of course, that I will control the Ishwar. <laughs> Something like that. Hmm? That I will attract him enough that I will become an Ishwar. I want to become an Ishwar in some capacity. It's not that the Yoga Sutras teach that, that the Yogin will become the Ishwar, but kind of a mini Ishwar. Hmm? He'll have omniscience and so forth. Uh, so, so it's a, it's an attempt to have some negotiation with, with the with uh, with with the Yogeshwar, hmm? God. Hmm? But how attractive is that to him? Oh, so now you can pour water in your nose and it can come out your mouth. That's really attractive. <laughs> that means a lot to me. You've got complete control over your body. Hmm? And and your thoughts—that's incredible. Hmm? Meanwhile, he's controlling everything. He knows everything. This is it's a small thing, and and you, you so you're a little imitation of of me in my controlling capacity, which is just a small aspect of myself. Hmm? Vishnu, all controlling Ishwar, is a small part of Bhagwan, hmm, Sri Krishna. He's controlling, as I said, in a different way. By affection, by love, he controls by going away and driving his devotees mad. And they they try to get him off their minds, and they cannot. Where the yogi is trying to put Ishwar, if he's worth his salt in yoga, on his mind. But there are many nice examples in the Bhagavatam. See, the Bhagavatam is just going to play these points out. This is one of them. Yoga is not a way to satisfy the self. And so, for example, we have in Krishna Lila one example, the story of Subhari Muni. You have the story of uh, Vishvamrita. Hmm? And so forth. Or the ankle bells of Menaka. And his yoga was disturbed in... in <laughs> In Bhagavatam, it's extreme. Subhari Muni was meditating underwater hmm? forever, you know, for a long, long time. And he opened his eyes and he saw two fish copulating and he lost it. <laughs> and so he became, came to the surface. And all the, and for that matter, all the power that we can drive from yoga, it's all external. It's not part of the self. So it's all external. Hmm? So it's a very external methodology. It's not internal. It doesn't really have to touch the heart very much. If you mix it with bhakti, it means the heart is touched a little bit, then it can be successful. As successful as yoga mixed with bhakti can be, up to liberation. Hmm? If you mix yoga with bhakti, then, as I say, your prospect is better. But what Narada wants to say here is, we should do like you should do like me, Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm? Uh, this, uh, this, unto itself, the path of Ashtanga Yoga, that is considered to be pratikul. In his Prapanajibanamrita, the lives of the surrendered souls, a book that Pujapad Sridharmarsh authored. A book about Sharanagati, the sixfold uh, Sharanagati. 
Uh, he took verses from the sacred texts, primarily from Bhagavatam and some other texts as well, and uh, categorized them under the different six limbs of Sharanga uh, Sharanagati. So, uh, two of those, Anukul, Pratikul, accepting what's favorable, and Pratikul, rejecting what's unfavorable. He took this verse from Bhagavatam, among others, and placed it there. This is Pratikul. Hmm? This is not favorable for Bhakti. Because it is so self-exerting um, oriented, I don't mean to say that there's no effort in Bhakti, but as I have said many times, the effort in Bhakti is the effort to get the grace of Bhagwan. Hmm? So it's a, it's a grace-oriented effort. It's an acknowledgement of my smallness. You see how different yoga is, which is a power-seeking or orientation, to have power over, to conquer, to control. And it's, it's a very sophisticated method, but it's, but it's also something that can snap. It can snap at any time, because it hasn't satisfied the heart. You may have controlled the mind, you may have restrained the senses, the mind, and focus them in one point and so forth. But as I said earlier, will restraint ever fully satisfy one? We should exercise some restraint. Hmm? But restraint unto itself, hmm? it makes no sense that that could satisfy us. Restraint from something that's troubling us, but then untroubled, have, have we no nothing positive to do that constitutes meaningful and f fulfilling, satisfying life. We're just going to sit around and restrain all the time. Hmm? And we're so focused on it because it, it's, there are examples that any minute it could, the whole thing could collapse on me. Hmm? Hmm. So it's very, uh, very different in, in orientation than, than bhakti is, and that if we get a sangskar for that orientation, then that will uh, inhibit us from actually engaging in, in bhakti. So he wants to say, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Now, if you have bhakti mixed with astanga yoga, then you're in a better position. You're doing bhakti, and according to your adhikar, you may be mixing in some yoga, and, and so on and so forth, and you can, as I say, rise up, you can you can attain shantarastas all, all the way. You can by good association and so forth. But he's not even recommending that here. He's an example of something else. He's an example of Shuddha Bhakti, the kind of bhakti that Rupa Goswami is explaining in Bhakti Prasamrita Sindhu. And he says here, what? Forget this yoga stuff. Yamadi bir yogupatai kama loba hotomu kama loba hotomu. It comes again and again. Hmm? Just because you restrain it yourself from the forces of of lust and, and and greed, for example, doesn't mean that those forces are gone. They're still there, waiting at any moment to take advantage of you as soon as you have a weakness, something like that. Hmm? Well, Bhakti is a whole different idea. He says, Mukunda Sevaya Yadvat. Hmm? He says, but service to Mukunda, Mukunda, 
Hmm? Mukunda means to to uh, overcome something very uh, troublesome. Hmm? Uh, this is, it, uh, and this is possible by bhakti. Hmm? Uh, comprehensively, um, that's, who who gives the who gives the power to overcome? Hmm? This is uh, uh, who makes a big thing small. Even this is Krishna. It is said the ocean of material troubles shrinks to like the amount of water that you could put in a hoof print of a calf, and easily the devotee crosses over. So he for for that matter. Uh, commenting on this verse himself, Bhaktivinoda Thakur brings up the the idea that as much as greed is mentioned here, calm, lust, calm, uh, uh, lobha, that these have application in bhakti. Indeed, in the Bhagavat's highest ideal of bhakti, uh, it, it is said it can only be attained by greed. The inhabitants of Vrindavan are examples of, 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 of greed, <laughs> a spiritual greed. It's, it's greed is thought to be unbecoming. You can't check yourself. I couldn't check himself. You know, he had to have it, something like that. So they're dealing with Bhagawan in a way that, from other spiritual vantage points, realized points, it looks unbecoming. Wrestling him to the ground, Mother Yasoda's tying him up, and so forth. This is their greed. It's unbecoming. Of course, it's very charming, it's very beautiful, but uh, it has to be properly understood. They have greed for Bhagwan. They must have him. They don't, And it's not about their qualification. They've come in touch with that current, that Vrindavan current, the Guru Parampara, and they've got to have it. Like sometimes devotees ask me, I want to know what I have to do to qualify myself for initiation. And I tell them, there's nothing you can do for that. Don't think like, you've got it backwards. Don't think like that. What can I do to qualify myself? Hmm? What you can do is understand, you never be qualified for this. Hmm? Uh, It's coming to you anyway. Accept it. If you want it, accept it. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation. What if we know what it is? Then we know nothing I can do to qualify myself for that. <laughs> That's the gracious grant is coming my way, a gracious opportunity, a golden opportunity in troubled times. A golden opportunity as well. That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's. So he says, this, this, this thing, Mukunda Seva, what does this do? You develop even greed for, for Krishna, Lobha. That is, what is that verse? Krishna Babita Mati Tatralolyam Api Tatra Anyway, it is said, somehow or other, hmm? somehow or other you try to 
uh, attain Krishna, hmm? then uh, it's he's purchasable by greed to ha- by the greed to have him. Nothing else will work. Hmm? It's eagerness for this. How you can get that? But by hearing about Krishna as he is for, from someone who who will have love for him, who's been charmed by him, it's contagious. Then it's like if I come and tell you about a movie, you've got to see it. You stop really almost listening to what I'm saying. You just look at me, and I, I guess I got to see that movie. It's really <laughs> you know I don't have to convince you of the plot anymore. You say, don't don't tell me the plot. I'm going. <laughs> Something like that, <laughs> and Krishna's charming. So he 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 knocks you know the uh, one off their their feet. Hmm? Rupa Goswami says, "Don't go to the banks of the Jamuna. There you will see Krishna standing in threefold bending form, playing his flute, and you'll never be able to go home again." Problem. Hmm? This is how he reigns supreme, if you will, by his charm by his beauty, the beauty of his, his entourage, his leela, and so forth. Hmm? So develop some eagerness for that, some taste for that, some, I must have it, this kind of, and Pujapachita have been talking about that in our morning readings, and said, I must have it, my goal is one. We should think, I tell you what, I'll give you liberation tonight, will you take it? Oh, tempted, huh? <laughs> uh, no. Hmm. How about you go to Vaikuntha? You can go. It's over. All the fighting is over. When you can say, no, no. Dwarka. Krishna's there. (laughs) And sometimes he's there in two-armed form also. What do you think? Balaram is there. No, no. Matura, huh? close to home. <laughs> no, so this way only to Vrindavan. Hmm? The Radharani Express that you want to take, or is it? There's a train from from Mayapur, from Calcutta. You take a train Mayapur to Calcutta, connect with the Radharani Express straight to Matura Station, and then by Tonga. It used to be anywhere by Tonga by horse and buggy into Vrindavan. You got to slow down on the last approach there. Take advantage of that environment. So, with this kind of uh, this kind of one-mindedness, this we want. It uh, turns to 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 greed almost. So again, the greed is not waiting to get us. We've taken greed and we've employed greed in our own service, such as the power of bhakti. And all the senses are active. See the difference? Yoga is restraint of the mind and the senses. Prabhupada used to say sometimes that sometimes that yogis, when they are offered money, they will go, no, no. They will push away like this. He said, but I go like this. He opened his arms. <laughs> I take it. I know who it belongs to. And I'll spend every penny of it for him. Hmm? And that will be good for you, sir. And you, madam. Hmm? That will decorate your heart. Hmm? 
that he could take all that and not spend a penny for himself, not even a, a thought of that. What kind of yoga is that then? Hmm? He's not trying to restrain the senses. He's engaging the senses in the service of the master of the senses. Rishikena Rishikesha Sebanam Bhakti Uttama. This is Uttam Bhakti. This is Narada's own statement in Narada Pancharatra from which Rupa Goswami's definition of bhakti is, is derived. His verse, Anyabhilashita Sunyam Gyan Karmari Anabhitam. Hmm? It comes from this verse. How does it start? Sarvopadi Banir Muktam Tatparatvenanirmalam Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam. This is the Svaruplakshan of it. Vishikena Vishikesha Sevanam Bhakti Rutam. So, engaging the senses in the Master, in the service of the Master of the senses. And by this, marginally, oh, then Sarvopadi Banir Muktam, all these other designations, ideas of oneself, even the idea of I'm a yogi, I'm a sadhaka. A big one. All disappear. Sridhar hmm. was talking about that this morning. When he had, and just, I'm ready to do whatever. Hmm. If Krishna, you want to embarrass me, embarrass me. Uh, that makes no difference. Hmm. I'm yours. Whatever you want. Hmm. So, so, he, so he weighs in as he did earlier in the uh, philosophical discourse. Now, in the context of the narrative, ending the narrative, of course. Here, um, he reflects back, I better say something about yoga too, once again, so he doesn't miss, don't miss that point. Yoga is a transcendental exercise when there's some influx of ingress of bhakti, but it's not what Nard's talking about. That will not satisfy itself. And we might think so because, gee, the guy sitting in the cave looks pretty self-satisfied. Hmm? So the idea of the Bhagavatam is very, very different. It, he may be satisfied to an extent, but he's not satisfying the Supreme Self very much by that. Hmm? Yes, you controlled your mind. Yes, you controlled your senses. And I gave you a little help in that. Hmm? And so you said, it's not a bad thing, but comparatively, hmm? it cannot satisfy Bhagwan. Like, oh, Krishna, hey, Krishna. Hmm? His friends call out to him. So he says, Sarvam idam, sarvam tad idam akyatam, yat prishtoham tvayanagaha, janma karma rahasyam me, babatas chatmatoshanam. So he says, So Vyas, you who are anagaha, pure hearted, free from sins, Thus, I have explained my janma and my karma. Here it means my birth, my activities. My birth as the son of the maidservant and my activities that all constituted bhakti. He says, janma karma rahasyam me. The mystery of my birth and my activities, my movement, mystery of them. And the implication of this here also is that that in the context of explaining the teachings, in the context of a narrative, the narrative of his, of his own life, he has been able to tell 
nard things more comprehensively he has been able to re- to reveal the, the the secrets of the veda um uh the vedanta more directly he told him about attaining his swarup the personal story hmm? this is very ex- extraordinary hmm? we find some verse here and there about that hmm? he directly came out and told him so the implication is that that the that the life of the devotee hmm, is more revealing more uh, luminous more illuminating than the text it brings the text to life in a way that uh, it, it otherwise is not it brings the theory into the practical and and things that kind of are in the book they are in the book but but they but what they exactly mean how they play out and so forth we won't we won't know without the life of the devotee so by telling about his life his example hmm, he really saying here i've told you sarvam idam sarvam tad idam akyatam so i've told you everything now hmm? i told you about my birth my the sadhu sangha i had how i got initiation hmm? what happened that when my the inauspiciousness of my mother died how i responded to that my meditation how i got darshan i lost the darshan bhagavan spoke to me he, I, i followed his instruction i got it he uh, he appeared again gave me my swarup he told everything i told you everything now hmm? he wants to say this is a sum and so you've written all these books vyas hmm? and you're not satisfied no you he said he says what hmm? this he says hmm? babatacha atmatoshanam this should satisfy you hmm? you written all these books and you're not satisfied hmm? the story of my life how's that does that satisfy you that should i've told you everything about my life that should be more satisfying you should have learned more understood more realized more from that story then everything you've written <laughs> this is what he's saying the value of sadhu sangha hmm? the value of studying the life of uh, of great devotees and if they're kind enough to share their hearts with us their story hmm? these are precious precious moments hmm? precious glimpses hmm? it's it's kind of the same principle that whereas the the Upanishads are abstract and then you take the Puranas and now they're told in story form where Jiva Goswami uses this to say the Puranas actually complete purna complete the the teaching of the Veda making them more readily understandable accessible and uh, with examples and so on and so forth so we we let them take the lead especially when it comes then to Bhagavat Purana which is the Purana about the life of bhagwan <laughs> that's what it's about it's about the life of krishna ultimately first you need a little preliminary who is krishna he's the shelter of all these things the nine subjects then the 10th subject the shelter giver himself shri krishna this is his life this is the book about him the bhagwat purana the history of the life the 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 the, the, uh, the authorized biography hmm. 
of Krishna, the bioptic or whatever, based on a true story. You can't really put it in words entirely. It's it's something like the story of the life of Bhagavan. I'm putting it in words, speaking about it poetically. It's as the Leela sounds and and more, much, much more. And so, so extend the principle then from the Puranas expanding and and, and playing out, completing the uh, the Veda, the Upanishads, and so forth. That the Bhagavad Purana completing the Vedanta Sutra as the as a commentary. I was having a discussion with one one gentleman, and he was he was he was he, he wanted to discuss the ontology of bhakti. And so he was picking out certain verses of the Bhagavatam and the Gita. And I said, I said, we could do that, but why don't we go to, why, why don't we just go to Rupa Goswami and his verses hmm, that directly explain the ontology of bhakti. They're all derived, of course, from the Bhagavatam. They're explaining what is the Bhagavatam. He says, well, we should go to the original text hmm, and decide for, you know, ourselves what they're actually saying. And that's, that's the Shastra. I said, in our sect, and he was in our sect, Rupa Goswami is, is Shastra. <laughs> this is this is taken on a canonical type of a, um, um, a status. Uh, he said, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has said that the Bhagavatam is ultimate evidence in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita. I said, oh, you mean Krishna's Kaviraj has said? <laughs> You're going to him for evidence to support your, your 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 point. My point is well 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 supported by your statement. If you look carefully at it, so the commentary. I wanted to say that there is no Gaudiya Vaishnavism without the commentary. So for us, the commentary is important. Prabhupada said once when he was first. Um, uh, Talking about publishing his Bhagavad Gita in New York, he proposed that uh, that take any translation as long as my commentary is there. Hmm. And he was even thinking of taking Dr. Radhakrishna's co- translation, I think, hmm, and then putting his purport to it. And then someone said, "But probably that would be plagiarism." He says, "What do you mean? It's Krishna's words." <laughs> <laughs> So, not that the original texts, of course, aren't important. They are, but but the, but the, the what they mean hmm, to us, hmm, we learn from the devotees. And if the devotees share that, what the verse means to them, we want to listen carefully. And if they reveal their lives, so the same thing, they fulfill it. They, and so he's saying, this is what he's saying: the living example, the jivantamardanga, the living drum. You can get that more from that than the big drum. The printing press, the Brihat Murdanga, the Jivanta Murdanga. Hmm? And he is such a Jivanta Murdanga. He, he uses these very words. He says, hmm, he says what? Babatas Chatma Toshanam. Hmm? So, Toshanam, satisfaction, fulfillment of the Atma, the self, it will come from all these things I've said. What do you think? 
You've written all those books and you're dissatisfied. I think from this story, you'll be fully satisfied. Vyasa is floored. Hmm? Here, his guru has just totally captured his heart. He will write Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? As we'll see in the next chapter, following Nard's instructions earlier on in this in these chapters we've discussed, he will enter into the trance and see Golok and the various Shaktis of Bhagavan and write come out Samadhi Nantusmrata He will write Srimad Bhagavatam in this in his Samadhi Basha. Trance language. Hmm? Trance language, how will we make sense of that? We have to enter into a trance ourselves. Everything in the book it's descriptions of the material world. We've talked about that a little bit. They're all for the purpose only of driving us into the spiritual direction. They aren't trying to analyze objectively what the world is like. They want to just cut to the chase. It's it's not worth. It's not a it's not a good place for. It's not an appropriate. What do they say? Place for a gentleman or woman. <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a survival of the fittest. This is what it is. No matter how you package it, it's, so who cares how the atoms move and how many universes and so forth. I was saw an article the other day that now they've discovered one billion Earth-like planets habitable. Hmm. One billion. I've discovered it. They've got their sophisticated methods, but they're all sophisticated methods for conquering the world, hmm? for understanding the external world and harnessing it for purposes tied to their attachment to it, hmm? their identification with it. Bhagavatam is a whole different idea. The whole of the sacred texts of India have a whole different world view. Hmm? He talks about the material world, talks about the material world in terms of looking at it as a, as a form of God, the universal shape. He talks about the world in the fifth canon. Prichard Marsh says, tell me about the world that I could love Bhagwan that much more. That's what he says, basically. Because it's his energy. So Sukadev talks about it in a kind of a mystical way that's a kind of a, some type of mandala meditation on the world, hmm? basically, it's 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 not trying to describe the world like the scientists do. They're not. They're, we're not in competition with that. It's fine what they observe and 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 lay before us as the truth. We we bow to it to some extent and take advantage of it hmm? as much as we maybe find it useful for our our purpose. But we lay prostrate before another ideal. Hmm? We bow to their invention. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, you flew to the moon. That's pretty far out. I've got to give it to you. That's pretty pretty good. I mean, I sit out and look at the stars and I think they went there. That's incredible. I mean, how'd they do that? I, I have to say, that's pretty good, but and then he, as Prophet said, so what? He got some rocks, you know. <laughs> it, you know, and, and, and of course it would say, well, they got more than rocks, you know, because of that, you've got cell phones, you know, or, and, they, and they, you've got this and that, and who knows what else, and you know. Yeah, it's just a bunch of rocks, <laughs> basically. It does nothing for the Atma. Hmm? It alienates the Atma. Hmm? 
It distracts from the atma. We have no trouble appreciating what they do on some level to an extent within limits, and the limits are important. And they said the other day, India makes a contribution, the Rishi has made a contribution to to the Western world and the West world of uh, of um, material acquisition. They gave him zero. India gave zero to the West. <laughs> what have we ever got from India? Zero, you can say. Because the Indians invented zero. Einstein said, we have owe a great tribute to, to, to the Indians. Without them, we couldn't do any math. Hmm? Indians have given zero. <laughs> and Americans have taken it and gotten zero from it. Hmm? They went with zero help and acquired an infinity of acquisition only to find themselves completely dissatisfied, alienated. What am I? Why am I? And reaching very bizarre conclusions like, I don't exist. <laughs> There's no self in our, in our universe. There's no self. When you speak of sacredness, there's no self. They've got a world very of their own, and it's very much to their own. It's a very lonely place. Very lonely place. No satisfaction there. Better to better to talk talk about better to Indians use zero for some things from some for some basic needs and so forth. Hmm? What does the Bhagavatam say? Are there no torn cloths lying on the road? What a beautiful statement. Is there no no torn cloth lying on the street? Hmm? This is what Bhagavatam is this is its message. You can just pick it up and wrap yourself. What do you need? They're saying, wrap yourself in something. You've got to do that. Yeah, but there's something more important and it's you. And it won't come by wrapping yourself in this, that, and everything else and, and acquiring and acquiring and acquiring. Hmm? Take some torn cloth. Tie it together somehow and go on with what's meaningful. Hmm? It describes a universe that's full of consciousness and wonderful things and so on and so forth. Brahmas with four heads and Vishnus breathing the world in and out and all so much symbolic meaning for us. And in the context of that, the context of that, Krishna Daskavi Raj Goswami has located Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and explained him and understood him. As the Kali Yuga avatar, he's come and he's. Hmm. The text tells us there are other yugas also, but it says practically nothing about them. You go and find how many verses there are about the Satya Yuga, the Treta Yuga, that practically nothing about. What about the other Kali Yugas? Sometimes the devotees ask. And other Kali Yugas. Because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, once in the day of Brahma, I tell him, we're not interested in other Kali Yugas. That's the message of Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam and all the sacred texts really only talk about this Yuga. They talk about now. Hmm? They're saying now. And they're saying now, these are troubled times. Hmm? Who can deny? 
that is a colleague, hmm, is saying these are troubled times and at the same time they are a time of great opportunity, as I said earlier. A golden opportunity. Hmm, that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what he has come to give. Hmm? Consciousness. Nowadays, the study of nature, I think I might have said that quote the other day, Heisenberg said, we don't study nature. We study man's investigation of nature. We're only seeing man's investigation of nature. Not nature. He's saying, in other words, we try to get away from this, but consciousness is there. We can't get away from it. Consciousness. Chaitanya means consciousness. Hmm? The observer is is influencing the the nature, and we're we're seeing it from. It's changing as we interact with it. Hmm? They try to get away from consciousness, and <laughs> they, they, they couldn't. Hmm? And even still, they 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 wanted they wanted to deny it. Hmm? So Bhagavatam is a very different idea. It talks about the world in a different way for a different purpose altogether. And which one is more real? That you have to think. Hmm? Sacred universe idea is more real. To look at it in such a way that it will bring you to reality of the self. And what is the reality of the self? Jatma. Toshanam, he says here. Satisfied self. Hmm? We have to ask, how satisfied are we? Oh, it's a lot better. I've got a two cars now. <laughs> I've got, you know, whatever it is. You know, relatively speaking, you can say, yeah, well, Swami, how do you like to be like hunting and gathering out there? You know, I, I wouldn't, to be honest with you. And I appreciate that you have, you know, developed a few things here and there. And I've said that. I, I, I have no problem with that. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hmm? But I'm not going to be preoccupied with it and make it out to be more than what it, what it is. Hmm? It is what it is, and it's not something that can fully satisfy the self. That's for sure. And the more you have, the more you want. Hmm? We have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appearing in the Kali Yuga as the as the moments of. Krishna's introspection and and pursuit of Radha's love, moments in the life of, of consciousness. There's got to be some way to talk about that. Hmm? This is what Bhagavatam has done. This is what Rupa Goswami has done, Jiva Goswami, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. This is the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu we want. And we have the empirical Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. He appeared <laughs> 500 years ago. We can document it and so forth. As they look closely at it, they say, it looks like he was an epileptic. Passing out, falling on the ground. And we say, yes, but epilepsy is not contagious. Must be something else. Hmm? We have caught on to that. It's our good fortune. Hmm? This is what Bhagavatam, this is what its message is. This is what Nard is telling to Vyas, and it concludes here now this chapter. Sutta Goswami says, Thus addressing Vyas, Narad Muni took leave of him, vibrating on his veena. He left to wander 
that is free will. It says, Yayo yadrichiko munihi yadrichaya. This is this is the source of bhakti. Hmm? What does it mean? It means good luck. What does good luck mean? Sadhu sangha. Sadhu is moving freely. He has nothing to accomplish. He's not under the influence of karma. He's not moving because he's being chased by something he did. Daivim prakriti mahasrita mahatmanastamam parta. This kind of person we want to meet, that creates our good fortune. Brahmanda brahmitekon bhagyavan deep guru krishna prasade pai bhakti latuveja. Yadrichaya, this word is used throughout Bhagavatam. This is the good luck. Bhagya, the good fortune. Bhakti takes her seat in the heart of the itinerant devotee who's passionately doing outreach. We say we get bhakti from sadhusanga, but sadhusanga is bhakti. So we get bhakti from bhakti. She's a haitiki. Oho devashir dhanyoyam yat kirtim sarnganaanavaha dayan madhyam idam tantraya ramayati atturam jagat. All glory, Sutta Goswami says, to the success, all glory and success to Narada, devashi Narada, because he glorifies the activities of Bhagwan. In so doing, he takes pleasure and also enlivens all the distressed souls of the universe. So nice. He's taking pleasure in bhakti. He's, he's, you know, he's satisfying this yayatma supersedity. This is bhakti, right? By which the self... The Supreme Self is fully satisfied, thereby by which yourself will be fully satisfied. And what is the measure then of that satisfaction? Hmm? He's giving some measurement on that. He's so satisfied that he's satisfying other people, that his satisfaction is freeing others from distress. That's extraordinary. You can say, I'm fully satisfied. And you tell somebody, go, man, I'm envious of that guy. He's fully satisfied up there on his, on his hill, the fool on the hill. But he says he's fully satisfied, and he's so full, he's so satisfied that he's caused to move and 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 then alleviate the others of their distress. This is very different than yoga <laughs> unto itself. So, stop there. This is the end of the chapter. Any question? Yes. If he attained Shantarasa. But it wouldn't be like in Vastu City. Right in Srub City, right, right. Mm-hmm. Once he's situated in somewhere, by Kunta or something, that's another, another thing. Mm-hmm. In, in, a, in a Jeevan Mukta situation, you mean, in this world. Yeah. Um, that's the idea. The other question was you were talking about the Lady Bhakti being motivated by. 
Still, the 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 disposition there, the mentality is dutiful. Hmm? So we do it because this is because this is Bhagwan, and he's all deserving of this. It should be done for him. This is their sensibility. He's God. It should be done. He is the rightful proprietor. He is the rightful enjoyer. Let him be happy, and I'm happy to do my duty. Hmm? They're not thinking like that in Golok. Hmm. Hmm. When Radharani says, get out of here. <laughs> this is the difference. What are you doing? Send him away. I want nothing to do with that debauch, that uh, un- unfaithful hmm. hero and so forth. So very different, you understand? And all the Vedas are being chanted there. Here he is, Bhagavan, he should be served, yes. And we are realizing that. And, and Vedas are not being played there in, in, in Vrindavan. Hmm. All right, we stop there. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam. Jai. Yeah.